Welcome to the Inspired Wild Podcast, folks. I am Trevin Stoltzfus. I'm here with Tanner Vernon. We're doing a little media management here. We are on the downhill slope, or should I say the last uh, hurrah of my Kansas Whitetail run. Um, it's been fun. What do you think, Tanner? Yeah, it's had its ups and downs, I yeah, would say. It's been challenging. <laughs> you know, it's funny because you came, joined us in Missouri um, and then the plan was to come here and get Lane set up, which uh, you can listen to Lane's adventures. Um, he had quite an experience, uh, new, pretty new to whitetail hunting. He has hunted whitetail before, but um, so this is kind of, we're trying to recap what's happened in the last about week, wouldn't you say, Tanner? Yeah. Yeah, it's... It's been interesting, to say the least. When we left Missouri, we met Lane here in Kansas. Um, kind of got him up and going. This property lays out, really, it's pretty much a one-person property, if you really think about it, because there's only one stand you can sit with a south wind. And um, we show up right away, first night, Lane's... Uh, itching to get in the stand as as anyone would after a 11 hour drive start the hunt and it's a south wind well our plan was to get him going and then we were heading to Iowa I have an Iowa tag a good buddy Steve Noble with Maximum Outdoors um, has kind of been texting me on and off and so our plan was to get uh, Lane going and uh, and then and head to Iowa uh, the next day. So we did that, uh, and then we kind of got our things organized here. Um, we stay with uh, Phil Francone. You've probably, if you've listened to the podcast, you've met Phil. He's uh, uh, runs the Mindle USA distribution, Mindle Boots. Good friend of mine. Um, and we stay in his barn, which is a pretty nice setup, wouldn't you say? Yeah, it's pretty cool. The little loft he's got here um, to sleep in. It's got you know everything we need really nice setup so he's got a uh, pellet grill stove he's got a regular camp stove and then we've even got a shower i mean we're high a shower and a bathroom high class high class <laughs> so we were getting things kind of geared up we were gonna head out the next morning to go to iowa and lane uh gets back and lo and behold he's got footage first ever mind you footage of blades now Maybe I need to preface this. Blades is my nemesis. Blades <laughs> is a buck that I have been, I think this is the, I've been tracking him for three years. I think this is the fourth year I've been trying to kill him. Um, actually, the first year we were pretty sure he was a three-year-old. And the reason I call him Blades is he has brow tines that are pretty impressive. Yeah, they're um, not, they don't disappoint this year either. Yeah. I mean, he but they're flat so they look so yeah. when i first saw him they look like butter knives coming up you know probably at the time they were probably only four or five inches but um they were thin but real wide so i call them blades and uh it's kind of stuck he's carried that trait throughout as he's gotten older and his body just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger and um this year uh, oh last year uh, phil found while well, he was trapping bobcats found his sheds and pretty impressive. Um, 
definitely mature deer. And I've dreamt about him. I've seen him on on trail camera numerous times. Hundred, I have hundreds of pictures of him. Yet, this is the first year we've ever got him on camera, on video camera. And you kind of, uh, like not all bucks stay in the area, but he's kind of one that stays and ruts, isn't he? Doesn't well, he? you know, this is the first time he's actually stayed here. We felt like we every year prior to, we would have him all summer all the way up to the middle of October and then there was always a more dominant buck around like a bully huh. um, that and I, I don't know if that's the reason but it's this is the first year that we've consistently got pictures of him during the rut yeah huh. so maybe he just was to that point where he was the the kingpin you know so to speak but it was pretty exciting to just have the, just to know he was there. And then, of course, Lane shows up and we pull this footage out and they're like, yeah, it was a big eight. Well, I looked at it and I said, that's not a big eight, guys. That's a big 10. What you're seeing is on the right side, he's got his G2 is only about, what, five inches long? Yeah, Matter of fact, his brow tines are longer than his yeah, G2. It's significantly shorter than everything But his else. G3 has got to be 16 inches. So yeah. they're looking at him at, you know, 150, maybe 200 yards. And he looks like a humongous eight. But in actuality, he's a 10. Um, I don't know what a score. I, I, I'm, I, who cares? I'm, but, you know, if you put a number to him, he's in the 160s, maybe 170s. Yeah. Maybe big. even higher. He's big. Um, but so we were pretty pumped. I was actually pretty conflicted about whether or not we should go to Iowa. But, you know, Iowa. Yeah. It is Iowa. Yeah. Right? And according to uh, to lore or legend, there's a big buck behind every bush, isn't there? And even the, <laughs> like I said, when we were there, even the does have antlers. Yeah. You know, they're at least 140. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> According to, <laughs> you know, you, you think about it that way. And so we headed on, uh, hooked up with Steve on our way, which was the next morning. Uh, we got Lane and Levi, who was uh, a new guy that uh, re- helped us run camera kind of in, in between uh, freeing other guys up. Um, we get a text that Lane shot a buck. And, um, now, let me just preface this with Lane's, again, kind of new to, to whitetail hunting. And I did my best to try and send him pictures when I was in Missouri of bucks I was passing that were three. And, um, you know, I'd ask him, hey, what do you think of this buck? What do you think of this buck? And then there was a couple bucks that we got video of that I didn't have a shot at just because of circumstance or wrong angle or whatever. Didn't see it long enough. Um, and I would text him a screen grab and i'd say what do you think and trying to you know just trying to get him to start thinking about you know what does a three-year-old look in reference to a four-year-old yeah what do you uh what do you think are the best characteristics to to judge that tanner you're a mule deer guy i know that but you you still look at age when you're when you're judging mule deer oh yeah for sure i mean it's just i mean i i won't say an age because I really have no idea and I, I but you can just tell a you know a a uh, a more mature buck for sure you know a lot of times they'll get kind of that squared off chest and you know be pretty muscular whereas a 
those young deer that we don't want to shoot are real slender and like you were saying have pretty like legs look long and they have that thoroughbred look to them like they could run forever which they can yeah and they just haven't muscled out and filled out quite like i mean if it's kind of hard uh to tell until you see a bigger older deer kind of like that uh one antler deer in missouri out in that field you know you're looking at a young young deer you know a one to three year old out in the field and then out steps this you know big and he's darker but just big old shoulders on him and squared off chest and huge neck and you're like holy crap that i mean it's a huge difference once you see him it's almost almost as blatant as like just an american quarter horse standing next to a you know a what are the big draft horses yeah, a like, like a Pertron or a Clydesdale. Yeah, something maybe not that extreme, but still, it's it is that difference. Um, so, but what I was trying to get with Lane was to focus not on the antlers, but to focus on the body, to focus on the face. I mean, you can tell a lot in a buck by just looking mm-hmm. at their face. You know, the longer nose, they start, as they get older, they'll get even that kind of that, we call it that Roman nose, that bump in the middle, you know, the long face. Yeah, and it seems like a, kind of like a darker forehead mm-hmm. and, uh, yeah, they just, I don't know, they look mean. Yeah, they definitely look uh, more experienced, let's say. Yeah. But, so, we're, I think we're in Kansas City, heading to Iowa, and we get this text, Lane shot a buck, and um, it, it, it over a period of time my first reaction was should we turn around and of course we were already headed there and so you know we were two hours into a five-hour trip and so we just kind of kept up to speed you know you you hit him good you know and so they ended up recovering the buck and of course i'm being the mother what'd you call me quit mother quit being a helicopter dad dad yeah because i'm like okay make sure you get this and get this b-roll and get these pictures Uh, you know i'm just (laughs) trying to to make sure we get the assets we need to tell the story now and the the problem with doing that and of course we're telling lane's story which you probably already heard if you listen to the other podcast that, that we did with lane um the problem in a situation like that is you kill a buck too soon you don't it's hard to you don't have a storyline. Yeah. You know, you don't have the B-roll that builds into that. And so, um, you know, uh, w- w- as always, we, we want to take some uh, some does off the property too. And so he's got a doe tag, so he's going to stick around and get some more B-roll and some different stuff And while well, we're in Iowa. And, uh, um, of course, I'm scared to death that they're going to booger blades because we find out later on that they see blades again now he couldn't have shot blades at any juncture it was always kind of far away but they're seeing this mature deer that's been a ghost to me that's been like i said my nemesis uh, and he's on his feet and we're now we're in iowa yeah which to some degree that's not a bad thing yeah no i mean i feel like if you're a whitetail hunter and you got an iowa tag you got to hunt iowa yeah, so but we, at the, yeah, at the same, same time, time this when you is, got a buck like Blades yeah. running around, they're not, I mean, the chances of seeing a bigger buck than Blades in any state is slim. Yeah, and Steve's sending me pictures of, trail cam pictures of bucks he's got there, and none of them 
or even close to what Blades is. But we're going to go. We're hoping we can get in there. And, you know, at this juncture, I've switched from trying to kill the biggest, baddest, you know, uh, imagined buck in Iowa to I'll just kill a mature buck and then get back to Kansas, <laughs> which is not the attitude to have when it takes you five years to draw. At least for me, it took, you know, I, I didn't, it took me five years to draw this tag. And um, so we go in there the first night we get in there and, uh, what do we see? Like two does or three, a doe and a year, two does and a yearling or yeah, something. Yeah, small. There was a small forky or something out in the, out behind us at one point. But and we're staying at Steve's house, and and Steve's family's amazing and generous, and and so we're kind of feeling like we're putting them out a little bit too, and wanting to get back here a little c- conflicted. So we want to give it a, a val valiant effort so uh apparently right before we came steve shoots this buck matter of fact i think it was the night before we went saturday night we we went over there sunday and he kills this slob well i mean you know 160 inch plus buck and um oh we get there and it's on a farm we can't hunt unfortunately because he's got a, a he's helping this gentleman out and it's kind of a premier access type of thing and so he's got a couple of other places for us to go and and so the next day we sit in it we're in a tree stand again a couple does nothing nothing to write home about but we're in iowa and then we get up the next morning and we do the ground blind and we're going to ground blind this thing all day so we got our lunch and we, you know everything and um but we couldn't get into the stand at first light or before first light because the wind was wrong we had to wait till i think what eight o'clock and the wind switched mm-hmm. yeah. and then we got into this uh this blind and it's a unique blind i really like how it was set up he's got this five foot six foot platform what would you say how tall was that yeah it's probably five foot and then there's a ladder going up to it and then he's got a a cloth ground blind on top and it's works pretty good he's got a, it's kind of rubber on the base so it's you know it doesn't sound like a drum and uh it was a pretty comfortable uh sit but we did not see anything until dark. 15 minutes <laughs> 15 minutes before last even feasible dark or, yeah you know yeah and uh some does came out and then a little buck came and a little eight point wasn't it eight point uh yeah so i think it was remember. eight maybe a nine anyway came out chasing does and i mean it was just a glimpse he just ran through and you know off went so it's one of those things you're like wow what what are we doing here and so as we as we went back that's when we got the text that they had seen blades again and now i'm really conflicted really conflicted and you know you don't want to offend steve and, and his family they're doing such a uh, courteous job of accepting us and, and you know he's letting helping me out with the tag places to hunt you know all this stuff and the cool thing is the connection I have with Steve is through Nick Percy with Killer Food Plots because uh, Steve also uses Killer Food Plots so we were actually set up on a Killer Food Plot in that on that ground blind and um, so you know there's a lot of tie in there too um, and I got back and I'm feeling conflicted, and I think you even told me, uh, Tanner. You said you just just talk to Steve. Just talk to Steve. He's a whitetail hunter. He knows yeah. what's going on. You know. 
So I get back and I kind of tell him what's going on, explain to him the situation, and what's the first thing he told me? I mean, you got to go kill that deer. Yeah. You got to go kill that deer. Yeah, and it's not, I mean, obviously you're in Iowa, so I mean, there's that caliber of deer around there somewhere. Right. But with a deer that you've had history with and all that stuff, I mean, I it's... Like like you said, you don't want to offend Steve, and he was very, him and his family were very gracious in letting us stay there. And And, obviously, the deer hunting is good there. Oh, phenomenal! And and hopefully, I can come back late season. Yeah. Um. He says, you know, the best, the best time to hunt whitetails in Iowa is the first ten days and the last ten days of season. Yeah. Because you're dealing with the rut where bucks are everywhere, but then there's lockdown, and I think we were hitting right as lockdown hit there and that's yeah. what he was thinking because he was not getting pictures on any of his cameras of big bucks they just disappeared so with that being said we kind of it was kind of a whirlwind trip but we kind of loaded up and and then headed back to kansas um and in that we i i want to take a sec before we go on to getting back to kansas and there's just something to be said for a place that you have history with, a place that you've worked on, a place that you've planted food plots on, a place that you know the deer. Um, we talked about this driving back from Iowa to Kansas, back to here to Kansas. There's just something more that connects you to the hunt when it's your work throughout the year right um you know we're it was great being there and i'm and the reason that i don't necessarily hunt whitetails with an outfitter anymore is that same exact reason and i have i have nothing against it i've killed whitetails with outfitters and it's awesome because they do all the work but there's something to me more special about knowing you hung that stand why you hung that stand why you put a food plot here what deer on the property and and you know you're inventorying your does you're inventorying your bucks you're you're trying to create something that's more long term and for me this farm here my my buddies grew up on this farm and and they hunt rifle here but they just you know they kind of gave me full reign to to be creative and and since then it's been fun to create these uh, histories with bucks like Wide Thing, which Phil, of course, is who is my neighbor to the north. He was able to kill that buck, and 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 Wide Wide Thing Junior, which was a buck that looked identical to Wide Thing back in I think fifteen or six two thousand sixteen. I think it was. I was able to kill that buck, and. And then last year to, to kill Brutus, a buck that ran with blades all summer long. Both of them were mature. Um, and, you know, it, it, it's something special about killing a buck, you know. You For know? sure. And, and so being here, it was just, it was a good feeling knowing, okay, we didn't have a lot of mature deer, mature bucks that were on, we were getting on camera that we recognized. 
So in Kansas, at least in this property, you have the option of, you know, maybe the one or two that are you recognize. And then you always have the option of just a behemoth coming through. Yeah. I mean, you got this whole, we're hunting, I mean, within a couple hundred yards of a creek bottom the whole time. And those bucks seems like they just run that thing back and forth and you never know what's going to roll in. I mean, this is... I mean, we're talking about Iowa being a big buck country, but this is big buck country too. You never know what's going to roll in. Yeah. So the first sit when we got back, where did we go? We went, we got back and we got in the stand at, that's Jenny Gate, wasn't it? Um, yes. Yeah. We, had we hung sou- out that night in the morning. Yeah. yeah. Cause we had a South wind. And like I said before, Lane's already, uh, has now left. We got back and they were loading up and getting ready to go. And uh, so, you know, we kind of got to congratulate him on, on his amazing hunt. And um, and then we got in the stand. And the first evening wasn't super, super productive other than we did see some deer. Um, but the next morning, again, we had that south wind. And um, we got to see one of the bucks that that we would call a shooter which is the nine point and he kind of snuck in on us yeah yeah i looked up and he was standing about 20 yards away but he never he never stopped he was cruising he was on a mission for sure and he just kind of ghosted through and there was no way i was going to get a shot at him uh, around the back of you and it's funny because where the way he came was the same way another buck that uh wide thing i was mentioning earlier that phil ended up killing um during rifle a couple years back uh but that's the same path that buck took my dad was running camera and um (laughs) i would have had to shoot between his legs which of course you're not going to do because he kind of paused now this this the, the nine point did not pause he just walked through and uh, I tried to groan at him and that he wasn't having any of it. So he kind of ghosted through. But again, still, we're still kind of on that. I want to see blades with my own eyes, you know, mm-hmm. in the daylight, you yeah. know. So that's our our main focus. And then uh, being able to hunt a couple of stands that um, we do have a couple of stands that I really like to hunt, but you have to have a, a northeast wind. And it's that's more of a rare wind. And um, so we ended up hunting uh, another stand that's on a killer food plot. And we saw a lot of deer that morning. Yeah, um, the, the, the does and like three little bucks just piled into that, that food plot and just stayed there for a long time. Yeah, but we didn't, we didn't get a glimpse of any, anything mature. And uh, I was pretty excited, though. We, we ended up sitting that all day yesterday. And um, this morning, I knew we had that northeast wind. And a front was coming in, and it was going to be slushy, snowy-type conditions. And so I wanted to sit that... Uh, sit this what we call the teacher stand and i'll give you a little history on the teacher stand the teacher stand sits on a ridge that overlooks the creek bottom and it's the reason i call it the teacher stand is an old teacher used to 
hunt this property years ago. And he just left a stand up in that tree. And a lot of times when you go look at a property, you know, you look at why there's stands, there's got to be a reason why someone put a stand there. And as we were investigating the property to begin with, that was just such an ideal stand to see on over the edge and to see this kind of a, a little bit of an oak grove uh, that juts out toward a fence line and those bucks will run that and it's just kind of a great funnel but yet on the other hand it's protective uh, the, the the bucks that want to run the creek they'll they'll run this little bench that's right below us about 30 yards so it's something i have i've had good success there in the past and i've seen most of my mature deer either there at the jenny gate and um and so i uh was pretty excited to get in that stand this morning and this morning when we first got in it um i don't think it was it even shooting light when you saw that little buck no no i don't think it was legal light it was just just he just kind of he was either standing there or walked up and i mean you saw him and i i didn't even see him he's only 30 yards away but it's that dark and you saw him walk off so he wandered off and we basically didn't see anything else man yeah it got slow i mean it wasn't ever fast but it, it was just there wasn't anything moving seemed like well it started kind of spitting on us and raining and and then sleeting a little bit and i don't know if that just held them up but we, we were actually about what 11 30 we were kicking around the idea of taking a quick break and coming back into the barn and brewing some coffee and I I I just wanted to push through. I yeah. mean, I, I I knew that this stand could be our. It's the only day we're going to be able to sit it because the wind is so rare that you need for this stand, and it's so good. Um, because if bucks are traveling through, they're going to walk pretty close to that. Um, so lo and behold, at twelve thirty, oh, actually, Adam. Uh, I barely get a little bit of service there, and Adam had texted me a picture. He'd killed a buck this morning in northeast Kansas, or northwest Kansas, excuse me. And um, and I was looking at it, and I was texting him, and he was kind of telling me what was going on. And I just happened to look up, and that nine point is on that bench below us. <laughs> yep. I just remember going, buck, big buck, big Snuck buck. in there. And... Uh, you were opening your lunch, weren't you? Yeah, I was unwrapping my pizza that I had in tin foil, tin foil trying to be very quiet. And I thought you were, I thought you were jacking with me, honestly, because I'm like, open, just, just started opening my pizza. And you're like, big buck, big buck, big buck. I was like, oh yeah, okay, whatever. And I looked down there on that bench, and sure enough, there was a buck. And it was the nine point. Yep, the nine point, and that's a, he's a mature deer, at least four and a half, we think. And the reason I say that is because I've, uh, I had pictures of him last year too. And I knew last year, I, f I thought last year he was a three, he was a three-year-old. But anyway, so he's one of those bucks that you're like, okay, this is definitely a shooter. He's not blades, but we're also running out of time. And, uh, so the funny thing was I was pretty relaxed. Um, I grabbed my bow. I think I started my GoPro. Then I grabbed my bow and I stood up. 
and he was behind some trees so i had no shot and he's kind of sniffing around a little bit and and he steps out and i'm just about to draw and but it, it all i can really see is his shoulder and he looks up and he's just looking up he i freeze of course and thinking he's he's got me pegged but he just and he goes back and he takes a couple another couple steps and i've got his whole vitals now and so i come to full draw and i just remember thinking you know all right you know just take your time and again i think i even before i drew i asked you that's that nine point isn't yeah it? and you mm-hmm. said yep so i just want to make sure uh, i didn't want to gawk too long at his antlers or or you know whatever i just want to if i'm going to shoot him i'm going to shoot him and i settled in and and pulled back and shot and the shot felt great um it made a weird sound yeah i felt like maybe i don't know if i hit my arm or I, i don't know uh i watched the gopro footage and it doesn't look like i hit my arm hmm but it definitely did make a interesting sound. Yeah, that's what that's what I thought when it, yeah. you shot it. Maybe it, the string slapped your my sleeve or something. or something. But so he wheels and and bails out, and I remember thinking, "All right, you know, I mean, when you make a bad shot, a lot of times you kind of know it on the release." And I felt like that was a good shot. I felt like that was a real good shot. And I'm sure, of course, then the adrenaline dump. And so I've got uh, jackhammer legs going on the stand. You know, I'm standing there and, uh, and of course, I can't wait. I'm just like, uh, did you get it? Did you? And you said, yeah, I got it. I got it. I said, well, let's look at the footage. Look at the footage and see, you know, because he's run off and I didn't see it, any blood or I didn't, you know, I didn't see any of the telltale signs of the wobble yeah. or, or anything like that. And, and he kind of ran off like, he was just spooked a little bit. Yeah. And then you looked at the footage and you were running the one to 400. So it's really, I mean, you're, it's good. You're close up. It's, it was about, I think he was 31 yards. Mm-hmm. And, um, I'm, you said you, you just barely shot him in the neck. Yeah. I said, what? Like, so then you got the camera over and brought it over to me and I watched it. And sure enough, I was high and right. Now he dropped and whirled, but I was, I, I was not where I thought I was aiming. And I was just sick. I still kind of am. Yeah, that's a tough deal when you grind it out for several weeks. And, yeah. and we, I mean, like you said, that's not... It's not blades, but after he walked by the stand the other day, we kind of got to looking at him like, "Oh, that was a that was a pretty nice deer." And then well, going and, through the and the then footage being in, or the the trail cam pics, yeah, and seeing him, him, and you're like, "Yeah, well, yeah, that's a pretty good deer." Seeing him on the trail cam pictures for sure, it, you know, verified that I wanted to shoot him. Missouri, I sat in Missouri for a week in one degree to 40 degrees i mean that was the span we had some snow and and i passed five six bucks i don't know how many bucks i passed that were three and you're just like oh i just want a mature deer right and um you know i'm when you're trying to do management it's hard to to reach potential till you get to that age bracket 
I mean, if you shoot a three-year-old, it's no big deal. You shoot something, and if that's what you want to do, that's fine. It's all about your uh, your excitement, your experience on the hunt. And depending upon your land manager or, or whoever's controlling the property, what they're trying to do, you know, you try and do what what fits the, the land management plan. And, you know, so we're trying to shoot four-year-olds. And... Um, so to have that opportunity and then whiff the you know there's always a, a a silver lining is that he's fine i mean literally i barely hit him yeah i uh, just nicked him i literally just nicked him and watching back on the footage understand people we got dan out of the stand we actually came back to the barn put the footage on uh, the laptop it was in slow-mo so we could see exactly where we hit and and understand that is it a lethal hit it could it be possibly a lethal hit is it a non-lethal hit and after seeing the footage it was basically a nick it wasn't even a a marginal shot yeah it was basically a lot of hair mostly a lot of hair so we uh with that being said knowing that they get hurt worse fighting during the rut um we got back in the stand and uh for a long afternoon set because all i could keep doing is replaying over and over and over in my mind heck i even shot my bow i i, I got up on top of my truck and so i can get some elevation and put the the target at 31 yards and and shot shot my bow just like I had in the stand just to make sure something wasn't goofy and there's no other thing you can do but say I made a bad shot I missed and ego driven whatever you want to say it's it's hard to especially as much as I practice to to swallow that that's the first time I've drawn my bow in the two weeks we've been whitetail hunting first time I've shot an arrow in the two weeks we've been whitetail hunting and I flubbed it. Yep. And you're, I kept telling you that it's your turn to pick me up because I was <laughs> so down. But, um, you know, you're, you're just as disappointed as I am because we're a team. Yeah. It's definitely, definitely tough when you put in, put in the work and it's something like that happens. Especially on a day like today that was cold and wet and long and you know at 12 30 when we were going to get out of the stand come back eat eat lunch here warm make some more coffee and we decided to 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 sit it out and a buck mature buck comes in mm-hmm. that we know so we get back in the stand i uh didn't cry but i wanted to <laughs> And then tonight, you look up and you say, hey, there's a buck coming. Oh, yeah. And. Monster box, bud. You said, I said, is, is he a good buck? And you said, yeah, he's, he's pretty good. So I grab my bow and, and he he ends up coming the opposite way, which actually kind of should have been downwind of us. But he comes in on the on the trail that we walked in on or the, the mode path that we walked in on. And then kind of stops. And I thought he was going to make a scrape there. But um, 
And he kind of just walks through and stops and probably 20 yards broadside. And I could have shot him there. And when I first saw him, I said, I'm going to shoot this buck. Yeah. Well, he's nice deer. Like He's the second, I mean, biggest deer we've seen personally in Kansas. You know, we haven't seen blades. We've seen the nine point. The nine point's obviously a bigger, older deer, but this is dang sure the second biggest we've seen. Nice eight pointer. Eight pointer. Eight pointer. Four by four. But what I couldn't <laughs> help but think of was I recognized him from the trail cameras. And it's a buck that I pointed out to Lane <laughs> that he was three years old. Don't shoot him. False end. And I. I'm like, I can't shoot this buck. It's just not right. Um, I wanted to shoot him for a couple of reasons. Well, let's just say I wanted to shoot him for one reason, and that was to redeem myself and kind of like, you know, get vengeance on <laughs> screwing up. But, you know, I, I just couldn't couldn't bring myself to shoot that deer. Yeah, that's no reason to shoot one. No. So... He's going to be nice next year. He is going to be a nice buck. If he if he lives through rifle, he'll be nice. So we end up watching him walk off into the sunset and yep. um and then settle back in hoping that Blades would make an appearance. Yep. And guess what? All we got was a whole herd of is it a gaggle? I don't know. What's a herd of raccoons? Uh, it's not a gaggle. I think it's a gaggle of geese. Would it be a flock? No, many, it wouldn't be a much, flock. Many much many, coons. Many much coons. Many coons much is, uh, Many much moosens. Yeah. Brian Regan. Uh, shout out to Brian. Um, <laughs> like I know Brian Regan. <laughs> oh, yeah. Shout out to Brian. Um, but there was a lot of coons and no more bucks. So we are winding down our whitetail season we have another sit tomorrow and then it's done i i I could sit here and talk about what ifs and the whatever but the fact of the matter is it's it's been fun i've seen really good rutting action i mean a lot of hardcore whitetail hunters don't like to hunt the rut they like to hunt where they can pattern them early or late on food um, and early on their, you know, bed to food pattern, um, which you will. You'll kill a big buck that way. But for me, the action of the rut, the 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 rattling, the calling, and all of that stuff is, man, it's so exciting. And, and I don't know, there's just something about this time of year, being up a tree and not knowing, especially in like a place like Kansas or Iowa, you don't know what could come by. Yep. And it's kind of exciting. But our hunt's not done. We're not over. We're not throwing in the towel quite yet. Uh, we've got more time, and it only takes one more opportunity. Yep. Uh, you keep saying yep. Yep. Um, That's because it's true. It is true. It just takes I, a second. I, I think with me, I, uh, I I wanted one opportunity. And now, today, I want a second opportunity. Did we just become best friends? Yup. Yup. Do you want to go play? Do karate in the garage? Yup. Yup. Oh, so we're getting a little <laughs> bit goofy here, folks. This is kind of a uh, summation of, I mean, there's so many... 
different things that have happened. Um, if we do a supplement to this, it's because something incredible happened. And it could. But if not, then I honestly can say it's been a great, great whitetail season. And even though I didn't kill anything, uh, I did, I should have today. Mm -hmm. Uh, We should be done. We should be, we should have spent the afternoon taking pictures and packing, uh, packing a buck into the cooler, but, but we didn't because that's hunting. Mm-hmm. It's the way it goes. That's would the you way would is. you say that you've seen a change in me? <laughs> yeah, the Trevin of 2015 would have drilled that buck tonight. I'm just out of pure spite. Why and do you think? Why do you think that? <laughs> I, I mean, I don't know. Whitetail though is a little different. Um, I think I've. I think I've matured as a, as a hunter, not that, uh, you know, I'm the end all be all. I mean, people can have their own experience and, the, and we won't, you know, we want to celebrate whatever that is, whether you're shooting young bucks or old bucks, I don't care. Um, you know, as long as you're following the management plan you have. But for me, there's something special about being able to pass on a deer. Um, yeah. There's something special about looking and saying oh man i hope that a point that we passed on tonight makes it through because he's going to be a stud next year yep and then uh and then still having that allure of the fact that blades is still out there yeah he's gonna walk he's gonna do he's gonna mess up tomorrow i hope so i hope so well thanks for listening um i hope you've enjoyed these various podcasts that we've tried to bring you up to speed on the different adventures through throughout whitetail season. Uh, we'll sign off now. Like I said, if you, uh, if there's a supplement to the end of this, it's because we, uh, had some action and we'll, we'll bring you up to speed on that. If not, we encourage you to go find your wild, find with that wild place that, that, that stirs your soul and embrace it. God bless. And we'll see you down the trail.